Hey, what's up? Hello, this is Auntie Cubana coming back at you with another episode of the Unladylike Lounge podcast. And today I am joined by Greg. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And why don't you take a second, brag on yourself and tell us a little bit about what we'll be talking about today. Sure. Uh, Story's pretty basic. Um, I'm a longtime healthcare executive who spent a 40-year career trying to reform the American healthcare system. Wow. And then uh, sort of semi-retired in 2019 and um, wasn't really intending to, but it sort of worked out that way. And then COVID happened and I had to figure out what to do next. And so a longtime ambition of mine was to write books. So I wrote The Great American Novel and I decided to write about my passion, which is healthcare reform. So I'm writing medical detective stories that are really just page turning uh, medical thrillers, but in embedded in them are real life issues of American health policy, why the system is so screwed up, how it is we might fix it, just practical things that people might do to engage in it. Wow, that sounds amazing, especially with everything going on in the world and our country, especially with with healthcare, healthcare reform and and the whole pandemic that is seemingly endless. So why don't we jump right into it? What is healthcare reform? How would you define that for our audiences? Well, I'd call it the long-term quest to try to rationalize the system that's really not a system. American okay. healthcare kind of grew up, and my first book really talks practically and entertainingly about the history of this. It just became a, a thing because healthcare was suddenly a good thing that could actually do good for people instead of pretty much be going hospitals used to be just a place you went to die back around the turn of the century, the last century. Um, And so suddenly healthcare was a good, there was a whole lot of money and resources put into it and all the things that we now recognize as the healthcare system, but it was never built much around a true systemic framework. And we have been suffering the consequences of that for 40, 50 years. Um, and while there's amazing things that happen in healthcare every day, medical miracles are routine, there are these consequences around cost and access and quality and, and consumer experiences and more that just are not up to par with what it should be given the amount of resources as a society you put into healthcare. Healthcare reform has been the quest to try to somehow make that all work a lot better in a big way. Yes, absolutely, 100%. What would you say is the biggest kind of pitfall for the American health system that we need to kind of focus our attention on as far as reform? So if it's a diagnosis of what's wrong, again, we could spend a lot of time on the symptoms, how how costly it is, how we can't get it when we need it. Sometimes the quality is so good. But I think the real um, key to this is that it's really not about the patient and people. It has really been built historically around other things where the patient and the people within it are just sort of necessary pieces because you need patients to have a healthcare system, but it's really not the basis upon which the system has been constructed. So we find all these strange dead ends and frustrations, especially by the people that work in the system who by and large are really bright, talented, committed people trying to do the right thing and end up in these horrible situations because the system basically takes the experience and turns it into something that it shouldn't be. Yes. Yes. I feel that wholeheartedly. I actually went through chronic illness and it for five years, spanning five years. And so I got to see a lot of that firsthand. 
And now what would you say the pandemic kind of kind of brought to light as far as our healthcare system here, maybe not just even in America, but worldwide? Well, the pandemic was such a, a weird experience for many reasons. Um, one of the things about it for me was I had spent part of my career getting ready for the next great pandemic. I mean, we've known these are out there. We knew it was a risk. There were plans for what to do. And once it happened, all the plans went out the window and it turned into just absolute chaos. So it was really frustrating having recently left my last position to sort of watching all this happen. Yes. Not being able to do anything. It's partly what led me to start writing books. But the in my second book, it's called The COVID Murders. It's it's I really write about what my, some of my frustrations about the pandemic and how it was managed. But a lot of it was about the pandemic experience making healthcare reform worse, somewhat unintentionally. And a lot of it was just that while we were dealing with the that catastrophe and trying and still are in many respects and the healthcare providers were in the front lines of that and really frustrating experience meanwhile what was happening was the healthcare system was continuing some trends that it had been on for a while and actually sort of was on steroids because some of the money that went in to help the system fueled even greater i'd say business investment in the system consolidations of hospitals physicians becoming employees of systems rather than independent practitioners, uh, non-healthcare entities getting into the healthcare business because there's money to be made, venture capitalists starting to put money into it. So while we were all dealing with the, the pandemic, um, what was happening in the healthcare system was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more out of control with these larger entities. Yeah. Such that I don't think we know where it's going next, but we're now in this position. Where we're trying to figure out what all that means and what where is the future of healthcare going? Is it really going to be about this quest for reform, making a system, or is it now more like how the airlines work, trying to figure out how it's just a business where you try to find your way as a consumer mm -hmm. to have a good experience? It's really a um, in, in in a state of, of question right now is probably the best way to put it. For sure. How can someone like myself, just a your everyday citizen, have an impact on reforming our system? So everybody has a story. You said you have a story. Almost everybody has a story about their healthcare <laughs> experience. Um, unfortunately, many of them aren't good. Many of them are great, um, but not all of them. So part of it is just to tell your story. Part of why I'm writing books about it is that I tell stories about um, healthcare. Uh, just about every one of my characters, the villains and the heroes, have some healthcare thing going on in their life, like we all do, that they're dealing with while the rest of the stuff in my my books are going on. So that's just part of it. But if you really start asking question, what you can do to help uh, promote health, um, what we've always talked about a lot of one of my great jobs was as the president and CEO of the not-for-profit Washington Health Foundation. And exactly. we, we ran a healthiest state in the nation campaign for a number of years in Washington state trying to promote health. And we'd get asked this question all the time. And our simple answer was, well, you know, in order to be healthy, what we know is we have to promote healthy living and healthy systems. Yes. And what we mean by that is you have to do the things to help take care of yourself and your, your family and your friends. But you also have to engage more collectively with the systems that are around you, whether it's the government's involvement in healthcare or things going on in your immediate community or your clubs or associations. And what we always said that it's a lot to take on um, 
so, but just find something to do in both. Maybe you're going to eat better. Maybe you'll have a better diet. Maybe you'll figure out ways to take greater control of your health. And we actually had a whole series, of, still do have a whole series of health home tools for people to try to take greater control of their health. But at the same time, you might engage politically, uh, okay. whatever your issue is and however you view things in a partisan way. Maybe it's just trying to engage to get the government to take a more rational view of what it should do in the healthcare arena. Maybe there's a community collaborative. Maybe it's, it's a book club where you can sit around and talk about the issues and help educate people. And um, there's just a whole host of things that one can do to engage on this. You, no one person can solve this problem by themselves, but we right. all can do our part and just find practical ways to engage and try to take an issue that's really been a, a poster child for division and conflict and find a way where we can do this together as people. Factual. And I, I love the fact that there is a sense of ability for, you know, you don't have to be some politician. You don't have to be a, a, a doctor or a nurse or what have you to be able to make some sort of difference in our, in our system. You mentioned your books. Can you tell us a little bit about those without giving too much away? Cause of course we want to read them. Sure. Uh, they're called the Irv Tinsley health policy detective series became a series when I wrote the second one, and I'm working on the third now. Wow. The, the first book is called The Theory of Irv, and uh, this was my effort to write the great American novel, which I thought I would just print you know, one copy and stick it on a shelf as my bucket list and say, do that. <laughs> right. but I sent it to some friends, and they said, this is great. You should publish it. So I did that, and it's done pretty well. Uh, I've really been pretty happy with that, and it, it's encouraged me to actually try to somehow make I guess it's a career out of a second career out of being a writer. So the second book was the COVID murders. The first book, I actually talk a lot about the history of healthcare and how it got there in an entertaining way. Again, my okay. books are, are mostly entertainment, uh, really fast page turning medical thrillers where you're going like, oh my goodness, how could this happen? But within it, there are these stories about how healthcare got the way it is, the issues that we're facing today. So the first one was more of the history of how we got there, along with some ideas for how we might solve it. The second book sort of explored, it's called The COVID Murders, and it was really about what happened during COVID. Again, a medical uh, detective thriller, but it, was, it really gets into this question about where are we going next? And these questions about what does all this consolidation mean? What are these forces politically that seem to have um, their own ideas about where our healthcare should be going? Sort of sets up the polemic for future books, which is what I'm working on now. Oh, awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you said that you're writing your third. Any idea of when that might be coming out? I'd say uh, sometime in 2024, probably in the fall would be my guess. Okay. Just having experienced the process of how long it takes once you finish to actually get the book into Amazon where you can sell it. For sure. For sure. And can we get a little teaser of what that one might be about or where that one's kind of directed? Sure. This one, the working title right now is the healthcare civil war. So I'm oh. trying to, to build on some of the divisions also in the political arena and these questions about what, what a future elections mean, where are we going as a society and healthcare's role within it. The medical detective story is sort of a sinister plot about what's happening with people uh, who have long COVID. But, oh, uh, my and, and my books always have a number of different subtexts to them. So I'm still sort of working those out. And, but one of the more important things I'm still, what I try to do in my books is I, 
a, built a career in optimism and hope. So for as dire as all the predicaments are, I always have to figure out a thread that I can look at and say, this is okay for me to put out there because it's a hopeful message about the future, not yes. the sky is falling and we're all going to die. Yes, for sure. For sure. Now, where where did you, I mean, obviously you had your career spanning a great amount of time working in, in healthcare. Where did you really kind of get this aha moment? Like, I need to write this down. Like, I need to, you know, where did that kind of fire come from? Well, I said, when I was a little kid, about five years old, I always wanted to write the great American novel and actually started when I was a little kid on my chicken scrawl on a piece of paper, <laughs> five different books. I actually found them when I stopped my last job. And I said, well, these are kind of funny. And then I, I, I had started a novel about uh, 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. And I had written the first 70 pages before I took a big job in Arizona the head of the hospital association uh, in, in Arizona. And I wasn't able to do anything more with it. Well, I found that while I was sitting um, in my office uh, after working and going like, this is not half bad. And that's sort of the moment for me. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I, I have time. Why don't I just start to write this thing right now? And if I'm going to write, I don't really know what I'm doing. So why don't I write about things that I know so I don't have to make things up? And I said, well, that's healthcare. And it's sort of an accident of how I got into it. And then I realized I had, I, I, for as much as I've tried to reform the American healthcare system, it's not really reformed. And I realized that I had a lot of frustration in me that kind of started pouring out on the pages. And that was kind of the moment where I said, no, I have a lot to say about this still and a lot maybe I can do about it from a new platform. And that was like, well, let's just go into this and see where it leads. And just see, that is amazing that it just kind of happened by happy, happy accident, so to speak. Um, what are the key factors in in health reform, healthcare reform? And do your books take a fictional or non-fictional stance on that? Um, that part is pretty factual. Uh, okay. Tell stories that are fictional, but the the lessons about healthcare reform are very real, and many okay. of them, in fact, are built on the the positions that the Washington Health Foundation took, you know, years ago on healthcare reform as it was happening in Washington State and nationally. Well, so, so these are something that our audiences can like read and kind of relate to, understand, and and see in their own surroundings. Right. It'll take it, educate you about sort of what's happened over time, going the history of healthcare reform in a big way really starts around the Clinton years back in the 90s. And I was very active then with their efforts to try to reform healthcare. And that net went nowhere, if you remember, and politically it became a huge problem. So, I, yeah. and this is the answer to your original question, which is you cannot remove healthcare, healthcare. Um, um, from the political process and the government's role in it because it's so big now. And, yeah. and politically it's been used as a tool for candidates on both sides of the aisle to try to win elections. So it's become very polarized for that reason. So I walked through that history. I walked through how uh, the Affordable Care Act, commonly called Obamacare happened, what was good about it, what was bad about it, what's still left to be done, which is an awful lot. Um, oh, and yes. just try to explain this very complicated topic in an understandable way, since it's Greek to most people. They just kind of mm -hmm. know their healthcare is a mess and it must've gotten there somehow, but they don't have time yeah. to figure it out, and nor do they want to read 
typical health policy treatises that are really complicated and um, people like me might read, but most people don't want to read that. Yes, that part. It's like we we want to understand what's going on. We want to understand what we can do in our role and everything. But when we, if you sit us down with a piece of, at least myself, I can't speak for anybody else, but if I were to sit down with a piece of, of you know, a, a journal or anything like that, I have no clue what I'm reading. It's all, as you said, it's all foreign. So it's nice to know that we have these books that although they take like fictional stories or characters coming in with factual lessons that we can all learn from. Where yes. can my audiences find your books? My books are being sold currently on Amazon. Okay. And you can just look for The Theory of Irv or The COVID Murders or The Irv Tinsley Health Policy Detective Stories. I can get you some of the links to, to get there even more directly. Or then awesome. go to the, the Washington Health Foundation website. We have a book page there. All the, the sales for my books go to the benefit of the Washington Health Foundation I'm now yeah. the volunteer president of it. We don't have much money, but yeah, the dream is, and maybe this is just a dream, is that we'll sell enough books and we'll be able to sort of reactivate because we really effectively ran out of money years ago. And oh. uh, we're just trying to figure out what to do. And right now it's just a place for me to publish my books and um, see if it's a way to somehow revive it and start doing some of the programs we used to do in a big for way sure. back in the uh, around the turn of the uh, most recent century. For sure. Where can my audiences follow your work and kind of keep up with your with your journey? Um, one of the things I do is write a monthly blog through the Washington Health Foundation. So okay. you can uh, go to the website, sign up for the blog. I'm about to start a YouTube channel. I've been working oh. on that in my spare time. Um, and uh, so um, probably going to be used that as one of the main ways to stream out in a bigger way. Um, what it is we're up to and ways to think about different issues. So that's probably where I turn people to. I don't have the link to that yet because I'm about to get it up and running. I'm about to tape my first few episodes maybe this oh, week. Definitely. Good deal. It's going awesome. to be called the Healthiest States channel. I do know that. We already selected okay. the name. The Healthiest States channel. Perfect. So for anybody who is wondering and wanting to keep up with everything, I will link everything in the description box below. And I'll also leave the name of his YouTube channel so that once it's up and running, you all can get with him and follow along. Because clearly, this is something we need more eyes on. This is something we need more participation in. I feel like this is kind of one of those it takes a village kind of things. Um, did you have any final words, thoughts, tips, advice for our audience members? Uh, well, just one thing for your audience, because I was really intrigued when you contacted me, uh, what your your podcast is about. And one of the important things about this is the role of women is actually crucial to the future of this. It's really, really? up to women to make a difference on this issue. It's not a man's issue. And I say that with, with a lot of great respect for my fellow men, but uh, women are really the center of the healthcare system, make most of the medical decisions for families, including you know, getting their spouses to even go to the doctor. So when I go out and figure out who are the targets for my books and what it is we're up to in terms of trying to create change, it's really women. So okay. uh, thanks for what you're doing. And thanks for giving me a chance to get it to the most important people who I think are really carrying the future of our healthcare system. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to collaborate with you on this. I look forward to checking out your books. And we do have some audience members who are chiming in that they're looking forward to looking at them too. And I just want to say how much I appreciate your time and everything. And to our audience members, men, women, and unladies alike, you already know what it is. I love y'all fiercely. <laughs>